Today's reading is taken from 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 to 25, and it can be found on page 1090 of the Church Bible. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For those who speak in a tongue do not speak to other people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But those who prophesy speak to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Those who speak in a tongue edify themselves, but those who prophesy church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Those who prophesy are greater than those who speak in tongues unless they interpret so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You would just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, those who speak in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can the others, who are now put in the same situation as an inquirer, say, Amen to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you're saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but the others are not edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. For in the law it is written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. But even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say you're out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, They are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. 
as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Thanks be to God. Thank you to you, Sue. Well done. Um, Would you get 1 Corinthians 14 open on your lap if you've not already done some? Uh, Not that we can work through the whole of that. um, Quite complicated passage. So in our series, Gifts for All, uh, here I am, Steve, and uh, we're looking at the gift of tongues and its sister gift, the gift of uh, the interpretation of tongues. Um, I just want to say I know very well that I can't uh, deal with all the issues around these gifts uh, now, and nor is this quite a, a workshop. So uh, if you think it needs a follow-up, say, and we will do a uh, follow-up. But um, in the spirit of 1 Corinthians 14, what I'm aiming for now is to be clear and intelligible and speak mainly in English. Is that all right? <laughs> so I'm trying to pitch it in the most helpful way for the whole um, church. Let's pray. Uh, we think of that picture on the screen, that open hand. Our hands are open. Uh, not just our minds, but our spirits, all that our hands represent. A giver of good gifts, please uh, pour your good gifts on your people today in the way you choose, for the sake of your glory. Amen. Uh, a person had been praying for her church when she was given a picture from God. This is not a joke, by the way. <laughs> it's a natural story. She saw the church building and an, a kind of angelic being hovering over the roof of the building. And this being had a sack in one hand and a shovel in the other. And some roof tiles had been pulled away so you could see all the people worshipping God. And the heavenly being was shoveling into the church what looked like gold leaf, which was floating down over the people like confetti. And a lot of it was sort of piling up in the aisles. So she asked the heavenly being what was happening. And he said these were the gifts that he was giving the people as they worshipped. What about all those heaps in the aisles, she said. I'm giving them these gifts, but they're not picking them up, was the reply. They're not picking them up. And it's Christ who gives the gifts through the Spirit. Uh, And this series is an encouragement, actually, to pick a few of these gifts up. Or, Or get them out of the drawer, if you have had some experience of this, but kind of left them in the drawer. Um, So we're not just aiming at understanding a bit more about the gifts, but actually giving each other an opportunity to use them uh, a bit more. Somebody had a picture today. Uh, At the end of this, I'll give us a time just to wait on God while Mark and the band play uh, and to open our hands to receive gifts. And as we did that at our first service, somebody saw, as it were, Um, flashes of lightning over particular members of the congregation, the sense that God was gifting them uh, right then. So we need to be in receiving mode um, and to be curious about this, I would suggest. 
So a man walks into the doctor's with a penguin growing out of his head. This is a joke, okay, or a sort of joke. Got that? Oh, says the doctor, you appear to have a growth on your foot. Think about it. The serious bit of that is it's how you see something that matters, isn't it? It's how you look at something that matters. And Paul had to teach these Corinthian Christians something because they just were seeing the whole thing about spiritual gifts the wrong way. And for our purposes today, it seems that they had particularly gone overboard on the use of the gift of tongues. And it's that context that this chapter 14 is addressing. Paul is saying, you're out of balance here. The important thing in worship is that things are clear and understandable and that when people come in, they need to hear you speaking in plain Greek. Okay? So focus on the gifts that build up the whole of the church. You, Corinthians, are out of balance with this gift, which principally builds up the individual person using it. It's good. And I wish, you know, you could speak in tongues as much as me, he says in that bit. Do you remember that bit? But get it in balance. And without being too technical, there are things we, knew about, we know about the Corinthian culture that makes it eminently understandable that they'd be overdosing on, on this kind of gift. It kind of echoes with some of their pre-Christian temple worship. So he uses a very vivid metaphor, not in this chapter, but back in chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's a famous metaphor. He says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as spiritual but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food. You weren't ready for it. Indeed, he says, you're still not ready. You've not got some of the basics right. In, particularly, in particular, when you use these gifts, you need to use them with love. It's a good metaphor, isn't it? I had the privilege yesterday of seeing a newborn baby, Dorothea Burney, Wayne and Katie Burney's long-awaited new baby. And she's gorgeous. Dora means gift of God. And if we're lucky, we might see some pictures of Dora, Dorothea, at the end of this service. Okay, so the gift of tongues and I'll do as much as I can on the gift of interpretation of tongues, but forgive me if we run out of time. Um, this is kind of prompted by one of our 845 services where um, we were um, blessed, actually, to uh, hear somebody speaking in tongues from the front. Um, and it was an opportunity then to say, well, sh should we learn more about this as a church? Okay, so penguin growing out of the head, how do you see this, this particular gift? How are you seeing it? Thumb reactions might go like this, and they're perfectly understandable. Um, I don't understand it, I don't like it, and I don't want it. And I think if you've never actually come across the gift of tongues or received any teaching on it, that's a perfectly understandable reaction, isn't it? It's probably very rational, actually, and that's fine. And if anyone feels anxious about the gifts of the Spirit... Uh, including this one, don't worry because God never forces himself on us. It just doesn't happen like that. 
When we had that experience at our 8.45 service, others, and more others actually, and, and people who were new to the church said, I don't know what that was, but one person said it was like being in heaven. Another person said, I'm going to go away and think about that, a more mature Christian, and pray for an interpretation, which he duly brought the next week, and it was beautiful. Somebody said it sounded like angels. So just to try and be as practical and clear, as helpful as possible, um, let me describe how I received this gift um, about 35 years ago, when I was six. <laughs> because I think the way I received it is possibly the most kind of common way. And I want to just say why I've experienced it as a, as a good gift. Um, now, you, we all have different stories. One kind of story that you will hear, and these are good stories, is that somebody was asleep uh, having prayed for the gift of tongues and they went to bed and then they woke up in the middle of the night praying in tongues. There may be some people who've had that experience. I, I think that's lovely, but I want to say that when it comes to things like this, we do have to be uh, careful that we don't project our very particular experiences onto other people. It's great if you can suddenly wake up and it feels authentic, doesn't it? Let me tell you how I received the gift, and I think, as I say, it's more common. Um, I was a student all those years ago. I'd become a Christian, and um, I was in this like uh, student um, room in a hall of residence with some friends who were Christians, and we started praying together. And then they started praying in tongues, and they asked me if I would like to receive that gift. I'm not sure if I knew exactly what it was then, or even if I do now. Um, but uh, I just said, yes, of course. So they said, well, look, we'll pray in tongues and um, you just join in. Start making some sounds. Don't, it doesn't matter if you feel a bit, a bit silly. Just start making those kind of uh, sounds if you can and see if you can just let go. And I did. And that's what happened. Began to speak in tongues. And you find that after time it becomes more natural and your vocabulary <laughs> expands a bit more. And I think that's just kind of the easiest way uh, for anybody who would like to, to receive the gift. At the end of this, we'll just have a time of quiet. If you want to pray for this gift, do. But as I say, I think if you seriously want to receive it and, and let it out, go and pray with uh, some people whom you know have that gift and ask them to help you. Um, it's really the most helpful thing to do. Now, you might say, and I'm sure there'll be some people here thinking, yeah, but, 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 how do you know that's real? How do you know it's real? It might just be you. Of course, it might just be you. But the proof of the pudding is in the eating, usually, uh, isn't it? And my experience is that this is, has been a good gift because it has helped me to pray. And I'm sorry, but I'm one of the people in this church who need help with prayer. I'm probably the only one in this room because you're so spiritual. But I'm not. If that means it's easy, it's not. 
And I think particularly if you, if you want to pray about something, and do you ever have that experience of, of running out of words or not finding the right words? And particularly if, you know, I mean, somebody shared with me this morning the number of serious illnesses around her and how she's supporting all these people. It's like three or four at a time. And how do you pray about that? So for me, the experience of praying in tongues is that when my words run out, very often then I will just pray using this gift. And it's as if then that you're praying, as it were, in Christ, as if the Holy Spirit is praying in you and with you. I'm just telling you what it feels like. I'd be very interested to know if it feels like that for you, um, if, you've, if you use this gift. Um, now, I don't want to, this to be too technical, but Paul, in his writings, uses two different Greek words for two different kinds of praying in tongues. There's the kind uh, where you are actually praying in a language that people will hear in their own language. There's some great stories about that. That's one kind of, he has a special word for that. But I'm now talking about the kind of prayer language that God often gives. It's a prayer language that kind of morphs into worship, you feel, sometimes. It feels like you're praying, and it feels like you're worshipping. And Paul has a different word for that. And that's what I'm talking about at the moment. And I wonder, and it doesn't say so explicitly, but I do wonder whether Paul's famous verses in Romans chapter 8, if you want to have a quick look in Romans chapter 8, do look it up. Chapter 8 of Romans, so turn back, and verse 26 and 27. I wonder whether Paul is alluding to this gift and this experience when he writes this, though as I say, you can't, you can't conclude it because it doesn't say so, but he says, 8.26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for. Isn't that your experience sometimes? Yeah? But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, now, that could be alluding to his experience of praying in the Spirit with the gift of tongues. It could just be that thing that we all have. You know, oh, God, what are you going to do about this? Wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And that's what it feels like, doesn't it, when you pray in tongues. It's that kind of feeling. Uh, you're drawn into the prayer of Jesus himself through the Spirit. Now, as I say, I mean, there's so much could be said about this particular gift. Just briefly, it's not ecstatic. It's not an emotional thing. It's not a rational thing, but it's not just a pure emotion. It's nothing to be scared of because it's under your control the whole time. You might feel prompted to start praying in this way, but you stop when you want to or when you stop feeling prompted. It's under your um, control. It's not actually about the experience. It's not actually about the gift. They're not things. 
It's about the giver. It's about the life of Jesus here and now. It's, in this case, it's the prayer of Jesus bubbling up in the Christian community. All of the gifts are not things. They're not objects. They're not artifacts. They're what Jesus is doing now among us. And that's why we, we call them tools for the job. They're tools for the job of doing what Jesus does. We can't do what Jesus does in our own strength. So he gives us these gifts. So the gifts of the Spirit are abilities to be or to do things that Jesus does that we wouldn't otherwise be able to do in our own human limited strength. Gifts of the Spirit. One gift, the gift of tongues. Of course, to use the gifts of the Spirit well, what else do you need? The gifts are there. You need the fruit of the Spirit, don't you? You need love, peace, gentleness, kindness. If you're going to use the gifts of the Spirit, you need the fruit of the Spirit so you use them well. Do you, do you get the distinction between the two? Yeah? I do find, even in our church, people think the fruit and the gifts are the same thing. They're not. They're both aspects of Jesus' life in us. The fruit are about our character, looking like Jesus. The gifts are about this capacity to do what Jesus does. His life in us, actually. That's a good way of thinking about them. Is that helpful? Is that at least mildly helpful? Nod if it is. Does anyone have any questions? If you do, you'll be on the internet. Paula! <laughs> yes, it, Paul makes it quite clear. Has anyone asked for the gift of tongues but not um, received it? Paul makes it quite clear um, that not everybody will receive this gift. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 29, is, this, is this is a sort of rhetorical question. Are all apostles? Answer, speak it out. Are all prophets? Let's hear you. Are all teachers? I want to hear it more. Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? No. And... It's quite notable that some of the greatest uh, teachers on the gifts of the Spirit, a man called David Watson, who, who was really the, the kind of the, led the church in, in, in this country, particularly the Church of England, into renewal in the 1980s. He never received this gift. Never received this gift. In a way, it might be the most common gift, and I think in some ways it's easy to receive, but no. Because remember the confetti, the gold dust. Some people get that one, some people get another gift. You over there are going to get something else. You might get the gift of prophecy. There are lots of gifts. There are also piles of gold dust in the aisles. Probably we could uh, receive and use more gifts if we wanted. So that's a really, as you, as you knew it was, it was the key helpful question. Thanks, Paula. 
Any other questions? You have to shout out because you're a long way back, Carol. Bless you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where's the boundary? Yeah. Yeah. So in prayer ministry, as you rightly say, you could just pray internally. But um, as I'll be saying in a minute, there's a difference between personal use of tongues and the rules, because one of the areas where the Bible just gives us the rules, it tells us what to do in public worship. So I'll come to that. That tongues need to be translated in public worship. But that, in a small group, is neither one nor the other, is it? And that's why you focus that question. And here, our guidelines are, um, you, must, you should really ask the person. Um, if you feel the urge, ask them if, if that would be okay. Um, now, of course, if you're praying with someone and you know that they do pray in tongues, the boundaries inside a different way. You might just say, oh, I'm just going to pray in the spirit now and, and do that. So it's about using the fruit of love uh, to discern and, and to guide your action. What we mustn't do is just wade in and, and that person doesn't know what's happening, always on the basic of basis of consent. You can always pray in tongues with me because I've just told you I do it and I hereby give anyone permission ever, uh, even in Tesco's. I shall just look as if you're completely start raving bonkers and ask for the manager. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, Carol. Now, it is different in public worship. So, for instance, if you look at uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 11, and I mean, you heard this as Sue read it out. Paul is very clear that this lot are overdoing it with this gift and that he wants to see uh, clarity and intelligibility in worship, especially if any strangers come in. So 1 Corinthians 14 verse 11, if I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker. The speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you're eager for the gifts of the Spirit, Great, that's what we want. Um, try to excel in those that build up the church. Well, this particular gift normally builds up the individual. Um, but have a look at the guidelines in verse 26. We didn't hear this. Verse 26. What shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together? So this is like gathering for worship. Each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, or a tongue, or an interpretation. So they were having lots of input. Uh, there was no problem when they said, has anyone got to share? There was kind of waves of it coming at them. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or at the most three, should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church. Let them speak to themselves and to God. Now, this is where we run out of time, I'm afraid. But in public worship, what Paul is saying is that's different. We all need to understand what's going on. 
So if you have the urge to speak out in tongues and you think, actually, this is for everybody, you come and do it. You come to the front and say, I've got this, and, or you stand up. But what will happen then is that we say, okay, let's wait on the Lord. Has anybody got an interpretation? It might be the person with the tongue. You should pray that you may interpret it, says Paul. Or it may be two or three other people. And at that point, friends, we are the body of Christ, listening and discerning whether this is the Lord speaking to us. And various things can happen at that point. It might be um, that somebody thinks they've got an interpretation, but actually it's a prophecy. Or it may be an interpretation of that particular tongue. There's a very interesting kind of detailed, this is, um, this is for people who like in the corner over there, talking about things. And, ooh, would you expect a tongue when it's interpreted to be a message from the speaker to God? A prayer or a praise to God? Or would you say, well, it might be, but it could be a word from God to us. And actually, reasonable Christians disagree about that particular point. See you over coffee to hear your views on that. Um, generally, people would expect God to be able to address us through a tongue. So you're talking about very playful, creative, discerning work here. But as the body of Christ, you know when it's real because it, 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 it kind of gets a grip of us. It sticks with us. I know I could say much, much more about that. And what does it feel like if you've got an interpretation? I think it feels like if you've got a prophecy, um, an urge to speak out. You may have the first couple of words, but not the rest. Got to be brave. Some people talk about something in the guts. There's a nod over there. You could do a workshop on this, but the best way is to get together with some friends and pray and then wait and see what you're given. Small groups. Now, I know I need to finish. Um, we do get it wrong, you know, from time to time. That's not a reason not to do this. David Watson used to say the right remedy for misuse, because you're going to get it wrong, is not disuse, but right use. So let's be a school here of the Holy Spirit and go for right use, uh, loving one another. Question, church. If St. Paul came here uh, today to us, would he say, like to the Corinthians of Corinth, sea salter, you're completely over the top with this gift. Calm down and back off a little bit. Would he say that? What do you think he might say? Step out a bit, loosen up, relax, be pray, ha, playful and prayful, have a go. You've got gold dust in the aisles, pick it up. I actually think children find this easier. If there's something in the aisle, they go and pick it up, don't they? Probably a bit like that with spiritual gifts. So uh, let's en en enjoy this. Uh, can I finish with a little aphorism? I don't actually... This may have been David Watson, but um, all word and no spirit, we dry up. You know that, don't you? All spirit and no word, we blow up. Word and spirit together, what happens? We 
grow up. That's what we're looking to do. All the spiritual gifts are ways in which Jesus makes his own life and energy present to us today for the job of building up the church and making Jesus known in all the world. Mark, could you play some music for us? And we will pray and wait quietly on God in the confident expectation that the gold leaf uh, is falling or confetti. And that God is giving each of us whatever gift he would like us to have. But feel free uh, to say to God, if you want this gift, if you want a sharper kind of prayer life, um, please, Lord, I invite you to give me this gift. Let's just play and pray and wait.